Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap issues and events pertinent to central Illinois. I'm WNBD News Director Cooper Banks. Starting this week, refocused on the plague of crime in Peoria and how it's continued to impact quality of life for many local residents, as well as other updates from police. WNBD afternoon host Craig Collins caught up with Peoria Police Chief Eric Echevarria. I don't know if this is an okay place to start, but we were talking a little bit even off the air about about the challenge. Uh, how do you react to, to the challenge that is uh, crime stats being what they are in our city? First of all, hello everyone. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> sorry, challenging yeah, first question, sir. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, it's very difficult. It's not. There's no easy answer to this, right? One of the things that we continue to see is you know juveniles involved in, yeah. in a lot of this activity um but yes we were i was out there i don't okay. know if she saw me drive by but <laughs> we were out and about right. uh, the assistant chief was out the captains were out it was wow. all hands on deck yesterday wow. um it's a very very busy night amongst uh you know homicide vehicular hijacking other shootings how it many was, how many ve- vehicular hijackings have we've seen a lot of those with young people right Yes, the, okay. the, we've had we've had two, and uh, since this weekend. Okay. Um, and you can, can a little bit more about that. So these are people that are just taking cars to joyride in them, or they're they're taking cars to actually uh, try to try to keep them. Because I did I did see stories. This must have been very early on this year about younger people who get caught um, stealing vehicles, and they're really just just like speeding down the highway, trying to do whatever they they want in a car, and sometimes getting in accidents. Yeah, they are causing chaos. That's right. all it is. Right. That is absolutely all it is. And and then when we get behind the vehicle and it comes up with a stolen plate, they want to take off from the police. And, you know, we have to be very careful when we pursue a vehicle and when we don't. There's some policies in place. Obviously, if we have, uh, if we know that it's an immediate threat to our community, that was the vehicle used in the shooting just occurred, and some other factors, obviously, that we're going to look at. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we also have to look at time of day and who's out and about. And we, we don't want to, right, you chase a vehicle and then cause a, a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, they're not taking the cars and selling them. They're not taking the cars and, and chopping them up. They're driving around just to cause chaos. And then they just abandon the vehicle if they're not actually at, caught? At, yeah, at some point, the okay. vehicle will find the vehicle in an alley somewhere. Wow. Um how do you talk to uh, the officers about some of the challenges? Is there any any version of conversation? Because I don't know why I've I've always envisioned like crime having a purpose. Do you know what I mean by that? Right. And it, it feels like what you're describing, at least in the vehicular uh, things going on, that there's no real purpose to this. I don't know if the people who are doing it are are what they think is, and we can't really guess this, but like demonstrating an anger they have in something. I guess I don't know. Uh, but it seems like there's no purpose to that. So how do you even tell officers uh, what the what the approach would be to not just stop things that happen in the moment, but to, to stop uh, whatever is going on in society? You know, um, you don't take this job not knowing that, right? I, I think, you know, you, you sign up and to be a police officer, you signed up to deal with all of this. And, gotcha. and, I, and I think they, they know that. We, we continue to encourage them and... Uh, you know, you mentioned one thing, the uh, technology or the equipment to do the job well. Uh, there's some votes coming up. There's some uh, new technology, even, uh, I think, a new vehicle, uh, all things that are happening for the police uh, department, correct? 
Correct. There's a there's quite a bit. Um, so we're we're moving to some new body cameras. Hopefully here it's going to go up in front of council today. I don't see an issue with it. Um, we've had these conversations, but we need to our body cameras that we currently have. We don't have the capacity for the storage anymore. When I, I talk about digital storage, it's yeah. an old system. We probably got three or four months left of storage of video storage. So we're moving on to Axon. That's going to have new video cameras inside the squad cars, wow. as well as LPRs within those cameras in our squad cars. Uh, new tasers. One of the things that we want is that when an officer draws his weapon, um, he or she draws his weapon, that the cameras automatically turn on. Gotcha. Um, you know, and so we want to be more transparent. We want to make sure that our, our community knows that our officers and the police department is going to be transparent and that. We'll have everything in place for that to happen. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Uh, the idea that it would just kind of have a mind of its own turn itself on in the um, situation that you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, two quick questions. I mentioned the vehicle, so I want to get back to that in a second. But you mentioned new tasers. And I don't think I've ever told you this story before. Uh, this is right when I was uh, first starting out at a different radio station. Um, I, was, I was hosting a show, and this guy sent us a message and said, Hey, man, as a thing for charity... I'm going to get tased. He's like, I'm going to get tased. It's going to be great. Everybody come and, and see me get tased, and we'll raise a bunch of money. And it was a really fancy event. Like, you showed up. People were dressed real nice, joking about it all night long. And then at the very end of the night, this one dude got uh, tased. And uh, it was it was something else to see. Um, would you, as the police chief, someone who's intimately aware of, of what actually occurs when someone's getting tased, ever suggest to anyone that's a good way to raise money to watch someone <laughs> at the end of an event get a get shot no no I, I think there's other options <laughs> i think there's other options right. listen i'm dancing november 5th at the casablanca oh, yeah. event yeah right? you're doing that there you go nice there, there, that's a fundraiser so now, no one's getting tased at the end of that getting tased. Okay. i might get laughed at for dancing <laughs> right uh, i i hope not but nice I didn't know you were jan dancing in that. That's a, a Dancing with the Local Stars event. I was talking to one of the organizers behind it, I think it was a week or so ago. Have you been taking lessons? A few. Did, did you need any? Or do you have a lot of skills? Are you, are you... I, I don't know. I don't want to sound like... <laughs> you know, I, I, got, I got a few skills. Man. I think it's, um, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. you know, as a... I'm picking up the humbleness you're I'm putting being, down, I'm being sir. Humble. But, yeah, uh, I, I can hear it. I, I hear it. I, I think you're I, you're confident you're going to do well. Well, in the I don't know about that. You know, there's going to be thousands of people in there. Yeah. they're going to be looking at me right. and my dance partner, and yeah. I gotta, you know, there's I'm going to be on a big stage. There's something about that, man. Uh, the police chief in our community who rushes toward some of the stuff like what happened last night, and you're a little worried about the amount of people watching you dance. There's there's something that's interesting about there's, that. There's a, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm in a vulnerable position. Uh, honestly, man, that's that's well. I'm sure you'll do great. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you'll do fine. Um, my wife and I have been taking dance lessons. Dance lessons, by the way. I am not uh, very good. What at kind dancing. of dance? Uh, all kinds of dance. Uh, okay. We've been doing salsa, uh, merengue. With who? Uh, there's a couple different organizations okay. that do it. Bev um, and um, uh, Caballero. Yeah, that's my dance Ed, partner. Ed and Beverly Caballero are some of our teachers that we've been doing the salsa classes with. You're dancing with Beverly? I'm dancing with Beverly. She is very talented. Yes, Does this make is. you feel uh, even I, more worried? If she's listening, I call her a drill instructor. <laughs> is she, how, how often have you guys been rehearsing? We practice twice a week. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, Friendship House has been very nice. Gave me a key to their gym. Nice. And so we go in there. Uh, what are you going to, what's the, what's the dance you're going to do? Is it going to be salsa? It's going to be a little salsa. It's going to be a little <laughs> uh, reggaeton. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. It's yeah. going to be merengue, actually. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, good. Uh, well, I'm going to have to talk to them uh, about the fact that I now know about all this. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think we're going to eventually need video of this, sir. 
You do the show every couple weeks. Yeah, I feel like, I'm sure there'll be a video somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a bunch out there. All right. Well, thank you for everything, for talking about some of the, the tougher topics. Um, what, by the way, before I let you go, I just remembered this. What's the vehicle, the new vehicle we're going to be getting for the police Oh, department? so we're getting a Lenko Bearcat. It's an armored vehicle for our SRT team, which is our SWAT team. Um, we've never had one. We, quite frankly, we borrow one from uh, the county. Yeah. And, you know, in a city this size with the, the amount of calls we have and the amount of issues that, that come up, sure. you know, we need to have the uh, the uh, vehicle and the equipment to be able to get close up on a scene and, and be able to make some decisions at a closer Could you place. try to describe this vehicle for anyone who can't, like, has no idea what it is? Like, what's it similar to? Is it like a Hummer? Like, what no, is it? no. It, it's, how do I describe it? It's a... It's tank? a big. No, it's not a tank. No, it's not. A tank. Right. It's a big truck. Okay. That's armored. That's, uh, armored heavily. Yeah, it's gotcha. a big four by four vehicle. Cool. That's, yeah. Do you need anybody to test it before you like decide? Is it sort of like you go for that um, vehicle test before you decide if you buy the buy the car? Because I have a guy in mind that I think can I'll, test I'll tell this. you what. When we get it, <laughs> you come on down. We'll let right. you get in it. Oh, that'd be that? awesome. And I can drive it. No, you didn't know. Well, we're going to park a lot. Maybe you can drive it in the parking lot. All right, cool. Uh, I did, I think this was uh, last time we had a big snowstorm, say that I should do donuts in a parking lot somewhere with listeners. I feel like if I could do it in the Bearcat, that would be extra special. I don't know if you could do donuts in that thing. Well, I think. Quite heavy. (laughs) Well, if there's enough snow. I think if we get to enough snow. Yeah, I don't know. No, you're still, okay. That's a a hard no. I don't know if you can uh, get it spinning. Chief Eric Echevarria. I don't know if you'll get it spinning. Well, I'm certainly willing to try. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. Peoria Public Schools District 150 Board of Education encouraging teachers to do a little extra credit learning about how to meet the unique challenges faced by educators in urban schools. Board members heard a presentation from a group focused on continuing education for educators. Um, this is, this is a, you'll, you'll hear more about a cohort, a two-year cohort focused on developing leaders to lead in an urban education setting. Uh, teachers, and this is for teachers, teachers will engage in hands-on projects throughout the two years and they will um, eventually receive a master's degree in urban education with also a principal certification. So we know with the teacher shortage we have to, just like we have our teacher pipeline, we're also being proactive to also um, have our own Grow Your Own administrative pipeline Um, So cohort will have a minimum of 20 participants with a maximum of 25 participants. The partnership is very, very unique for Peoria Public Schools, and uh, we ask Rockford to create an urban education experience for our teachers, and they did. Um, And so Rockford has deeply discounted the program for this partnership, so PPS will pay 90% 90% of the program, our teachers will pay $45 per credit hour, um, and they would take two courses per semester. Um, and the out-of-pocket cost will be $270 per semester for six credits, which is a tremendous deal. Actually, I went through one of these programs for my doctorate through PPS, and so I'm happy I'm here giving back. Um, and we had a cohort of 20, 20 individuals um, who went through that program. That one was with ISU. We sent um, information out on October 7th, and there's already a lot of interest. We have 31 teachers as of today, uh, the first day back, who want to attend the informational 
a session, our friends from Rockford, so thank you for putting out that flyer. Um, and then there is an application process which will take place until Thanksgiving and applicants will be notified by December 9th and classes will begin January 17th. And so um, please let, let us know if you need any more information. Dr. Wood is actually um, our contact person but you can send it to anyone and we'll get that information to her. Um, our partners from Rockford, they have a presentation prepared for us tonight. Dr. Ike will work with them because he also reviewed his our memorandum of understanding, memorandum of agreement, in-house expert. So everything, I run it through him. So thank you, Dr. Ike. And to board, I, we ask that our partners from Rockford come and share more with you. And um, we've asked Dr. Ike to at least present who they are. So thank you, Dr. Ike. Thank you, Dr. Kratt. You covered it all, really. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And um, uh, Dr. Annie Badu, I believe, is a um, spokesperson, and you will introduce the rest of your team. So welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us. We are so excited about this partnership, so grateful and honored to be um, serving in this role um, my name is Annie Badu. I'm a professor in the education department at Rockford University. Um, I spent 20 years in K-12 serving as a teacher and a leader and principal in urban schools. And um, we, over the past several years, have um, a partnership with Rockford Public Schools, yes. which has much similarity to Peoria um, Public Schools. And the goal, our goal, um, is that we want to be a strategic partner to urban districts. We believe that the very best teachers and the very best leaders for our, di our districts are in our schools, are in our communities. And historically, there have been barriers because college is expensive. <laughs> and so um, we um, see this as an opportunity to partner with um, districts to serve um, and create um, a program that is unique or that meets the specific needs of Peoria. So um, we all know there's a teacher shortage. There is an administrator shortage yes. now as well. Mm -hmm. But those of us who have worked in urban districts, a shortage is no, is not new to us. And often when we recruit. Um, we recruit from other places and outside, and people come and get all this great experience, and then they leave. Mm -hmm. But when you are able to grow and develop the people within the community, they care about the community on a level that you don't see people necessarily always bringing in. And then also, um, when they can learn together in a cohort, then they develop a network, because part of the reason that people um, leave the field is because it can be lonely to be a leader. So when you spend two years with people that you are growing your leadership capacity, then once you get into the field and you have those hard times, you have this whole built-in support system of people that care about the community, know the community, and can help you grapple with the unique challenges that you might be having in your school. So I was supposed to introduce my team, but I got really excited about that. So let me introduce who's with me. I'll just let them introduce themselves. Yeah, great points, though. You're right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for having us tonight. I'm Dr. Kelly Munson, and I'm the Director of Graduate Studies and an Assistant Professor of Education. Um, I also have been in the field over 25 years, uh, 15 of which was as an Assistant Superintendent and Principal in urban and suburban districts. I also actually taught children who were deaf and hard of hearing, so I'm very proud of your program here. That's fantastic. <laughs> Um, but yes, we're really excited to be here. We have a couple slides to share with you, but I'll have our colleague Megan introduce herself. Hello, yes, thank you so much for having us tonight. Um, my name is Megan Frankfather. I am the Assistant Director of Admission at Rockford University. Um, I have been in the uh, higher ed admissions field for about eight years now. Um, I've worked with a lot of different populations of students. Um, and working with our uh, teachers going back to school is, is really special. They're very um, a passionate group of people and um, it's a joy to help them and ultimately help the community so um, with that being said if you would like to start or go to the next slide so um, thank you for pointing out earlier we have already received 31 responses um, and that was actually earlier today since then um, last I looked at 4 p.m. this morning, we were, or 4 p.m. this afternoon, we were up to 33 responses. Um, so already in just a short time, without any formal um, uh, formal presentation, 33 of your teachers are interested in pursuing this program. So um, having their, their interest and their passion in furthering their education, um, that's, that's the base, right? We can all be excited about it, but we need their excitement too. So this is just wonderful to see already at this point in the process and really excited to, to meet these 33 people and potentially even more. So um, there are several things on the slide that I probably already said, um, but the coursework that we have designed in our, we have uh, Masters of Urban Education and that we've been running for seven years now and the, the coursework is designed to develop the leadership capacity of the students. So one of the things that we all grapple with as teachers and leaders is so much information coming at us, so much um, marketing. There's a lot of savvy marketing out there. Um, and so one of the things we really develop in our students is the capacity to demand evidence and evidence-based practices to know how to use the literature to um, apply to um, the problems or situations that they're dealing with in their classrooms and in their schools so that we're not spending the time that we have on things that are not for us um, or are not going to work for our kids. And so um, I tell all the students, you come in as a practitioner, you leave as a scholar practitioner, you know how to critically analyze what's coming at you so that you make the best decisions for your students and for your teachers. Marking 20 years helping black American workers all across the country navigate the culture and opportunities within Caterpillar. The guys at WNBD's The Greg and Dan Show couldn't pass up the opportunity to sit down with one of Peoria's premier employee resource groups and discuss what they do and how they help at the Caterpillar African American Network. Greg and Dan Show, WNBD. We have two new friends in the studio. We'll start with Dominic. Dominic Albert uh, is part of a group at Caterpillar called Caterpillar African American Network, or CAN for short. Good to see you, sir. Good Welcome morning. to the Greg and Dan Show. Uh, 20 years anniversary. That's cool. Congratulations. 
Yes, sir. It's an exciting time for us. What know? is CAN? What is it? What is it? And what's its history? Why does it? Why does it exist? So CAN, again, like you said, stands for Caterpillar African American Network, and started in 2002. And we really focus on three big things. You know, we enjoy get, being involved with recruiting and retention efforts. Um, we also enjoy getting involved with the community. And then we also enjoy being able to have a business impact with Caterpillar. Well, and, and you're, you're uh, among other groups, uh, an employee resource group, which is uh, a, a groups of all, all uh, kinds of uh, uh, configurations. There's a veterans group, right? And there's yes, uh, a, a, your group, uh, folks who are from Asia, uh, that group. Uh, is there a, is there a, tell me about the positive impact of, of just the camaraderie part. I mean, that any any good company, you like you like going to work with people you like. This group of people that I work with every day, I, I wouldn't get up at 3 in the morning if I hated these people. You know what I mean? So you, you learn how to share uh, uh, share your lives with each other, right? Sure. I mean, you hit the, hit the nail on the head because one of the big parts of retention, of course, is really creating a family environment. So, you know, this can be very simple things. When people move from one area of the country to Peoria or one of our other facilities, you know, sometimes it could be hard to find simple things that you're used to, like places to go, yeah. where to get your hair cut, sure. you know, where to shop. Churches, whatever it yeah, might places be. Places of yeah. worship. Yeah, yeah. So we're able to connect people quickly to those types of things, and that really helps with creating that family environment. And yeah. Go ahead, Danny. What were you going to say? No, no, I, I keep going, and, and I just want to piggyback okay, on that. And, I mean, it's really had – I have plenty of stories where it's really had an impact on me. You know, there's folks that I've met through uh, just coming in to a new facility at Cannes, and then, you know, next thing you know, they're taking me and my son out to have my son's first fishing trip. So just really oh, connecting nice. people. Have, have you always been in Peoria? No, actually, I started in Lafayette, Indiana. I've spent a little time in Peoria, and right now I'm based in Aurora. And Illinois. so is the is the Cannes group uh, corporate-wide? I guess in my mind I was thinking Peoria. Uh, because I'm here, and so I was just thinking that everybody that was in the membership of that group is is local, but that's not true, right? Correct. So we have folks, well, CAN started in Peoria, Catholic okay. African American that were started in Peoria, and then we also had chapters that expanded at different facilities. So we have a chapter in Aurora, we have one in Houston, Texas, we have some in Nashville. So if North a person Carolina. is moving from facility to facility, right. there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a, a, network. a network and a net almost, a safety net out there for them. But the right. key to all of this, too, for all the different various subgroups, and maybe Cheryl uh, Johnson can talk about this, is that CAT is a global company. So outward you have to be diverse to deal with the rest of the world. But when you have talent moving in from the rest of the world, they need a support group. Cheryl Johnson is the Chief Human Resource Officer for CAT. Good morning. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Dan. So um, excited to be here with you guys this morning. And Dan, you're absolutely correct. You know, when you have employees, 107,000 employees globally, um, it's important to still be able to maintain some kind of local connection for those folks to, to stay engaged with the company. And our employee resource groups like CAN, which was um, our first employee resource group, really help um, provide the culture of the organization as people, um, as they move around and find a sense of community and, and um, belongingness, if you would. Um, in the company and in the community. And if you have someone moving in from Africa, from India, from wherever, they have to get used to not only locally, culturally, what to do, how to do things, but just in general. Absolutely. And that's an important part of of, um, helping talent feel 
um, important in your company, right? And our employee resource groups, and as as um, Dominic said, Dominic said, we have 14 employee resource groups around the globe, mm-hmm. um, and over 12,000 um, employees that participate in those. So very, very exciting um, leadership opportunities that they provide to each other. Um, and help leading those um, employee resource groups. So it is. Uh, it, it's an interesting puzzle uh, when you have that many people. One hundred seven thousand. I mean, we we our company here, or this portion of our company. I don't know. We may have fifty people, six, seventy-five. I'm not, not sure exact number. Uh, and, and I know how tricky it is just for for us to all figure it all out, right, and to, to support each other. Uh, diversity and inclusion. It has to be at the forefront of what you're doing. It, it has to be. It absolutely and, is. And, 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 and is, there, um, is there changes in that that you've seen in your tenure as a uh, human resources officer? Yes. Is it, is so it, is it, are, we, are we better? We are. I, I don't know if that's the right word. But. Yeah, so better is a great word, and we okay. get better every day, right? So, yeah. and, and it really is um, um, rooted in people being open and willing to share things about themselves, you know, to, to learn from each other. And that is the, um, the, the critical factor for success in any company, and sure. certainly in a company like Caterpillar, right. where we're so broad and we, we have so many people around the world. And um, but it's exciting. It's exciting to to um, see people prosper in their careers. It's yeah. exciting to see people grow. You know, sometimes we have people who leave us, and then we have people who come to us. But our jobs, our responsibility, is to ensure their success no matter where they're at. Well, and and we were uh, helping you all celebrate the Caterpillar Visitor Center a month ago or so, Absolutely. whatever it was, and and we did talk to somebody from Human Resources Ooh. about the opportunities. And right now, there's lots of opportunities. Dominic, uh, if, if somebody is new to Caterpillar may not know about these ERGs, these employee resource, uh, resource groups, how do they contact you? How do they find out about yours in particular, the African-American group? Well, when you talk about the opportunities and jobs, one of the great things that we enjoy being able to get involved in is on the recruiting side. I mean, we support organizations like the National Society of Black Engineers and the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, and we go to those events, conferences, and we're able to let young talent know about the company, help them uh, find ways to apply, get them connected to opportunities that really fit their skill sets. So that's one of the awesome ways that we're able to get involved and support uh, all the initiatives that we're doing. And it's one of those things here that I think we take for granted sometimes in Peoria. I do. I'm I'm a guy from here. My dad worked at Caterpillar. My grandpa worked at Caterpillar. My uncles worked at Caterpillar. My dad was one of the first welders back in the late 30s, early 40s. We're still recruiting welders, Greg. Well, here's the thing about that. For for a while, I thought maybe welding, you know, it was like on a... It was falling the other... Here's my resume. I'm not too old. But the... but. Sometimes here we take it for granted, but as you travel around the country, both of you talking to young people, they may not have ever even heard of Caterpillar. Right. Here it's, I mean, it's emblazoned well, on our brains. Eh? And let me let me say this, because we just had uh, Mayor Ali in and uh, uh, Sheila Cork Bailey of ICC. Uh, how, how much are you in touch with, and we talk about the 05 district being one of the poorest in the uh, United States, um, Going to them, to those kids who are eight, nine, ten, and saying, "Hey, you can be an engineer. You can be this." Do you do that? Oh yes, I'm. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's one of the most fun things that we get to do, uh, being part of the African African American Network. We get to get out into the community, and and help out either at high schools, middle schools. We get involved nice. with different 
um, STEM events and just really get to introduce uh, young people to potential careers that they could have. And it's always rewarding when you see somebody that you started with when they were in, you know, middle school or high school, and the next thing you know, you see them in an engineering work. career. <laughs> yeah, at work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And not only yeah. not only through our employee resource groups, but also through our Caterpillar Foundation, we're yeah. very involved in um, ensuring um, um, that there's safety nets um, available in the communities where we live and work. Um, because it's not it's not just the education, but it's also those supporting services around um, those youth um, that they need to to find a path to success. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest 360 station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. I'm Cooper Banks, WMBD News.